Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. First Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and verse 24 through 27. Um, I really have a word that I believe is for this hour and for this people. Um, I really want y'all to pray for me as this word is a heavy word, um, but I haven't been able to let it go. Um, 1 Corinthians 9 chapter verse 24 says, Do you not know that in the race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control. Someone say self-control. In all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. One version says crown. We, but we, an imperishable. What that means is something that cannot be seen on this earth. Verse 26, 26 says, So I do not run aimlessly. It's very important. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it under control. Someone say under control. I don't want y'all to leave yet. He said, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. There's a lot of things that are going on in this world right now. And there are a lot of things that are happening right now. And if you're not careful, you'll be so anxious that you'll be all over the place. But there is a word that the Lord wants me to deliver to you today. And the topic of my message is a steady pace. God wants you to keep a steady pace. Someone say, keep me steady, God. Father, I thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this moment. I pray, Lord, that I would not get in the way of your word. I pray, Lord, that it would rest down in us, sit down inside of us, germinate so that it may produce a harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Steady. Someone say, keep it steady. Thomas Paine says um, that these are the times that try men's souls. When we look at the different things that are going on in the world, um, shootings and hangings and um, more shootings, um, more deaths, um, protests, there's a lot of media stir. Um, some have defined it as fake news. Um, there's stir craze, sound bites, political unrest. There's a lot of racial profiling, um, gender bias. And for many of us, um, this isn't um, a new cast for today. For a lot of us, this is the canvas of which our lives have been built from. This is normal. I want to say um, um, a shout out to Miss Ann Campbell, who just had her 60th birthday. So we say congratulations to you for making it where we're trying to go. So happy birthday to you. Pastor Campbell as well, thank you for uh, coming. Um, they've known me long enough for you, them to say some stories that I don't want them to say. As a pastor and as a leader, the challenge is we don't always know what to say. And we don't always know what to do. Just about every pastor, every organizational leader, every public servant, every activist is being checked for every move they make. Every post we make is being scrutinized and analyzed. Everything we don't do or should do or, or don't say or, or say is being checked by the social media police. People who are not leaders always wanna tell leaders what they should do. People who are not pastors tell you how to pastor. People who are not activists tell you how you should protest. We're in an unrest. Someone say unrest. Where many people who are not qualified have a voice. People who have never been broke long enough to be able to file unemployment 
are telling us what we should do. Someone say unrest. Every church is being viewed through the lens of critique and measuring how we're supposed to handle this season. Every church, not just our church, every church, every leader, everyone, whether they be white or black, everyone is being critiqued. As if the pandemic wasn't enough, we went from talking about the world being shut down to now the world in an uproar. Well, you don't hear as many people talking about a virus as now we're talking about people dying, things that are happening. It's almost as if the virus was last year. But all of this has happened in a three-month time span. For many of us who started 2020 saying this is the year of clear vision, <laughs> did any of us see this coming? For all of us who are blaming the prophets, like, why y'all didn't tell us this? Sometimes God will push you into a spot that you have to get back to trust in him again. Not saying that we didn't, but we went through a climate and we went through a season when we had a particular president where many of us thought we had made it to the promised land. And when you think you've made it somewhere, you stop fighting to stay there. And I'm not talking about what someone looks like. I'm talking about a certain advantage. When you get a certain advantage that you didn't fight for, you didn't pay for, many times you don't appreciate it until you yourself have to fight for that or you yourself have to go without to get that. So now we're in a place where shift has happened so fast that for many of us, it is hard for us to keep up with. Can I, can, is there anybody in the room who feels the same way? That sometimes you don't watch the news because you have lost count. You don't even know. You can't even remember. By the time I was telling one of the news anchors the other day, by the time we make one particular t-shirt and put somebody's name on it, we've already made another t-shirt to put somebody else's name on it. By the time we've done one protest for one person, we're protesting again for another person because it never stops. And there are many of you all who are at a place, to be honest, if, if you were really, really honest and you had the microphone, if you, if you could ask God one question right now, it would be, when will it stop? When, could this, when will this storm stop? Can we be honest right now? Has anybody asked the when question? Many people who praise, and let me tell you even my secret, the praise and the worship, all of that stuff, yes, we honor God, yes, we love God, yes, we give God praise and we give God glory. But for many of us who worship and praise, and the reason that we praise so hard and we tap in the way we do is because it is a lifeline for us. That we need to have a personal relationship with God. We need worship. It's not just something that's cute for the worship. It's not just something that happens when the music comes on. It's something that if I didn't have worship, I would lose my mind. That if I didn't have a praise, if I didn't know, I thank the Lord. The, the more contemporary we got, the more I started going back to some of the old school things that I said I would never go back to. But it's because I can't get so cute that I forget about the crushing that happens. The crushing that made the oil. That if you're going to have real oil, it has to be a crushing. And what happens is some of you have not had authentic oil yet. It's because you've not been crushed. Your opinion has caused you to be able to be liked or cause people to hear you. But when you've experienced crushing, some things are not taught through seminary. Some things are not taught through Sunday school or Bible class or a small group. Some things life will teach you. And when you start learning how to deal with situations and circumstances, and for those of you who've never gone through any storm, I want to remind you what the old people say, live long enough. If you live long enough, you will go through something. Some of you say that's not positive. I'm positively sure that you will go through something. You will experience something. And if you've never had something that drove you to your knees, live long enough. You will experience something. You will experience something that will make you question your sanity. That will make you question your relationship with God. That will make you question everything you've ever learned. And you have to get back and say, Lord, keep me steady. Put me back in a spot that I am not overreactive. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If you want to go higher in God, I'm not talking about higher in social status. If you want to grow and mature, you will be tested. I know this doesn't seem like a Father's Day message, but it is. 
Because you will be tested. If, if it wasn't hard enough to be a man, now be a man with a target on your back and you're brown. Now be a man trying to raise your children and wondering if they're going to come home before getting shot. Now be a man in a climate that you're trying to understand exactly what you do. Try being a man and jogging in your neighborhood and wondering if somebody's going to, someone's going to shoot you in your back and you won't even know who did it. Being a man is not easy. That's why it confuses me when some people want to change their gender to be a man. I don't want to be this sometimes. Who wants to just, who wants to always just have a target on your back? I lost some of you. How do you want to change your identity to be something you might not be able to handle? If you can't handle this, if you can't handle what we carry, if you can't handle the truth of it, don't try to become it just because it looks nice. And take that out of gender. Take that and put that in anything. A lot of us are trying to become something because it looks popular. You can't call yourself a prayer warrior just because you read Mark Batterson's 40-day draw the circle and now you want to call yourself a prayer warrior. No, that's not how that happens. Prayer is constant communion. You don't pray when you get broke. You pray when you got it. You pray when you don't have it. You pray in all seasons. Someone say in all seasons. Prayer warriors don't retire. Prayer is not the fit. Prayer, people who walk in prayer don't just pray 10 minutes before service starts. People pray when your child goes to jail. People pray when people look at, if you want to know, if you really want to learn how to pray, start a church. <laughs> Pastor Brad can come up and cash at me right now. If you really want to know how to pray and learn how to, how to rise up and be set and to go back and say, Lord, I stretch my hands to you one more time. Pray, start a church and see how many people tell you what you should do. Do it. And y'all come back and tell me how that works for you. How's your prayer life then? Because how is your prayer life when you're in the garden agonizing? You're in the garden saying, let this cup pass from me. You're in the garden in communion with God. And all of a sudden, one of your posse brings the crowd to you and says, the one I kiss is the one who calls himself the Christ. How is your prayer life when you allow persecution to come from those who are closer to you? And you kiss them and say, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. What type of maturity do you have when you welcome test and when you welcome challenge? I don't have a shouting church right now because we don't want to talk about the test. But in, for, if in order for you to get a testimony worth shouting about, you got to have a test. You have to have a test worth living through. And I want to know, is there anybody? Don't lift your hands. Just nod your head for a second and say, Lord, prepare me for the test. Prepare me for the test. Because the test is coming, and I want you to know this. And this is what I'm talking about today as far as fathers. And for those of us who are, who are not just fathers, for everybody. In verse, 2 Peter verse um, one, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 through 6 says this. Because we're in this series about keep growing. It says, for this very reason, all these different things that you have, all these different things you experience. He said, for this very reason, I ask you to add to your faith. Someone say, add to your faith. Uh, this verse says supplement your faith. It says what virtue. We talked about that, which is character. He says after you add character, he said then add. Y'all remember the Greek word we learned last week? Y'all remember? Can anybody holler it out? Someone said it. I think you're going to. Who said it? Gnosis. Thank you. Gnosis. Gnosis means. What's it mean? <laughs> Y'all said knowledge. Of course it means knowledge. It means insight. <laughs> it means insight. It means to have understanding. I'm going to challenge y'all class to make sure you got it. Gnosis means to have insight. And the reason I'm challenging you is because whatever you don't make, whatever you don't grab, you miss. The word you hear is not the word that changes you. It's the word you use. Not just hearing the word, but actually taking the word and using the word. He said, gnosis is insight, and now with insight is self-control. One version says temperance. Now, the reason that this is not a popular message is because for many of us, we want the faith that is a one-stop shop, and that's it. We don't do anything else. And that's called salvation. 
What Jesus did it all, you confessed. He did the internal work. But there's a part of you that has to do the work daily. Uh, one scripture says, work out your own soul salvation. Someone say, work on yourself. That's why we're not doing neighbors right now. Just be able to talk to yourself, say, I've got to work on me. When you learn to work on yourself more, you don't have a lot to say about other people. Uh, before you start judging people, you look in the mirror and say, oh, shoot, I'm a mess. And then you, when you start looking at yourself, your conversations about other people are not as much. And even when you're at the table of people who are talking about others, you stop it for a second and say, but wait a minute. Uh, why are you talking about somebody instead of praying for them? And the fact that you're comfortable downing someone else gives me concern about you. Because if you're comfortable downing my brother and my sister, then I'm really concerned about you. Because if you're downing them and they're not here to defend themselves, that means when I'm not here, you'll talk about me too. That concerns me. That concerns me that you are very, very comfortable talking to me about somebody who goes to your church, who serves on your team, who serves with you, and they're not here to defend themselves. So that means when I'm not around, do you say the same thing about me? This side has a little bit more noise than this side. I'm a little concerned. I want God to do something great in this side. Somebody just say out loud, you're right, you're right. So everybody, sometimes silence makes you sound guilty. When I was in church, we just say amen just so we didn't want anybody to talk. Amen! Just, just say it, just to get it. And you're right, you're right, because we didn't want to be, we didn't want to be found guilty ourselves. Uh, but this thing right here that challenges us is after you add knowledge, gnosis, insight, the next challenge is to add to yourself temperance, which is self-control. And I want to add, I'm going to teach you one more Greek word, and it's called uh, inkratia. I don't know if I gave him that. Inkratia. Someone say inkratia. We're going to be a great learn church. Say inkratia. I'm not teaching you how to do karate, karate or nothing. I want you to go, I'm like, karatea. No, and karatea is mastery. Uh, it is self-control. And if there's anything that we need right now and all the different things that are going on in the world, we need some karatea. We need some self-control. Because if you're not careful, you'll respond to stuff. You'll react to things before thinking about it. And the news and media is designed for you to start responding. Self-control is something that comes from within oneself, but it does not come by oneself. Say that again. Self-control comes from within me, but it doesn't come apart from me. It's, not, it's like I have to develop my inner work instead of allowing it just to work itself out by itself. It's something that I have to do the work. It's something I have to work on. So as we keep a steady pace, if that's what we're going to do, in order to keep a steady pace, the first thing is, in pace, I want you to keep a steady position. Someone say position. Don't get out of formation if Beyonce were here. Stay. Many of you are, and I want, I want to encourage you right now, for those of you, and I, I, I want to challenge you as far as in this season, for those of you who don't normally take notes, for those of you who don't write stuff down, I'm going to challenge you to do that. Because it's not the word that you just hear right now that you're going to expect to, have, there's statistics, I don't know the statistics, but half the stuff you hear today will be gone by 6 o'clock. And what happens is you'll quote something that was never said, and then you'll ask God why he didn't respond to it. Because they'll be like, I never said that. The word that you remember and retain and go over that thing and study that thing. I want you to make sure you stay in position. Someone say stay in position. Position means uh, to make sure when they said in verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you might obtain it. For some of us, we would be upset with that, and that's the reason that we don't run, Gwen. Some of us don't run because we say only one gets the prize anyway, so why am I running? And there are some of us who say, well, there's no purpose in doing anything because only one person is going to get a breakthrough, so why do I do it? He says, but do you not know that in a race all runners run, so run like you're going to be the one who gets it. Run like you're going to be the one. And here in this time with the Greeks, when they raced, they didn't run like it was some amusement. They ran because it was their passion. I'm concerned about people who are running right now doing protests and running right now because it seems like a great photo op. <laughs> There's a difference in a movement and a moment. 
The people who are really in, in, in protesting, the people that were really involved in making change, were making change when it seemed like change was not even being made. It seemed like things were not even happening. They were praying. Have you ever prayed and nothing moves? Come on, church. Have you ever prayed for a family member to get saved and instead of them getting saved, it seems like they go the opposite direction? Have you ever prayed for your coworkers and it seems like they get worse by the end of the week? Have you ever prayed that Zoom will stop, but by the time you ask Zoom to stop, they get another one? Anybody testify for a moment that we always, when, when you really, really run this thing for, for, when you really check yourself and ask yourself, why did you get in the race anyway? Why did you sign up for this? Someone asked me a few days ago, and they asked me, um, can you explain uh, how you uh, surrender to the call? And I told them, I ran. It was not something I wanted to do. I have some friends who said, oh, I've, uh, since I was three, I dreamed of being a preacher. Who? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> for those of y'all who are real deep and you were dipped in lamb's blood. But for me, I, I, it's not that I didn't want to be used by God. I don't always like his people. I love God, don't you? What's wrong with you? I love him. But I don't always like his people. I'm sorry, as a pastor, I'm not supposed to say that. I'm supposed to say, I love the sheep. But sometimes sheep willingly go astray on purpose. And then you got to go tell them something they already know to grab them back in. And they be like, oh, my pastor came and told me. You already knew that you were in harm's way. I didn't want to surrender because I grew up as a preacher's child. And I knew what it meant to be divided. I knew what it meant to be more someone else's father than you were sometimes in your own house as a father. I knew what it's like when you have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go to somebody's hospital because none of the other associate ministers are going to go to the hospital and do it. So you got to go to the hospital and you got to make sure that you go and you go check on the people because if you don't go, then the people are going to say, my pastor didn't come. I knew that no matter what I drove, someone's going to have something to say about it. I knew no matter where I live, someone's going to have something to say about it. I knew no matter what I preached, somebody was going to have something to say about it. I knew no matter how many children I had, somebody was going to say something about it. I knew my marriage was going to be critiqued. I knew my social media was going to be critiqued. I knew my style was going to be critiqued. I knew my finances was going to be critiqued. And I didn't want to sign up for that thing unless God really called me. Because it's not easy living in a fishbowl. When everybody's looking and waiting often for you to fall. But someone say stay in position. So when they got into the race, I've had to remind myself often, why did I get in this thing? Not me. I'm saying you. When you're getting involved in these different things that are going on, ask yourself. Because at that time, they had a gymnasium. We have a gym now. Um, and when you have a gymnasium, it was talking about every candidate had to take an oath. They had to sign up for 10 months of training that they would not violate the regulations. That whatever they signed up for, that they would not violate what they signed up for. That they did not get in a race and when it was time to run, they left. They had to stay in position. Someone say stay in position. And for many of us right now, when we look at all these different things on the news and we see all these different pictures and all these different things that are happening, to obtain, he says, run that you might obtain. It says, it's, it obtain means it is in vain to start something that you have no intentions of finishing. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. It is better for you to say I'm not going to do it than for you to do it and then not do it. Or, you know what I'm trying to say. It's better for you to say, I'm not going to do it from the beginning, than for you to say you're going to do something that you don't show up for it. That's what it's saying as far as obtain. Run that you might finish it. Run that you have a reason. When you're standing up as a father, when you're standing up as a man, when you're standing up as an entrepreneur, when you're standing up as an activist, when you're standing up as a leader, when you're standing up as a pastor or a minister or a missionary or evangelist, stay there. Don't start something and lead people astray because you have commitment issues. 
This is not the time to join something because it seems opportunistic. If I'm going to be a part of something, I'm a part of something because I'm called to it. Don't be somebody's friend because of what they can give you. Don't connect with somebody because of the perks they have. Can you stay with them if they can't give you anything? If they can't offer you anything, can you be? There's a Bible says that there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Who do you have in your life who's been there when you were broke? Who do you have who prayed you through seasons and prayed you through depression and prayed you through times where you wanted to give up? That's a friend. You need somebody who's going to stay in position. That when you go through something, they're always there. There are things that you can tell me about Guillaume Smith. There's nothing you can tell me that I don't usually know. He gets up when he wants to get up. He moves how he wants to move. Whether slow or fast. He's never going to be on time. Not to his own funeral. He's always going to be late. That's him. He's always going to dress. That's that thing. I don't know if he's going to get married. Though I want him to. I don't know that. But what I do know. Is that in every season I've been in. I've never had to ask where he was. Never. Never. I've been talked about. He was there. I've been criticized. He was there. I've been broke. He was there. I've had car repossessions. He was there. We didn't have money. He was there. We split meals sometimes and he was there. I wore his, sho his shoes. He ain't never worn mine because I never got to that game just yet. But hold on. I wore his shoes and we, he's always been there. I want to ask you, who has always been there in your life? When we were a Bible study, he was there. Before we had a lot of people, he was there. Before we had this, he was there. When we were free, he was there. When we were in library and with nobody coming, they were just calling me Mario. He was there. He's never been here for the stage. There is something to be said about people who stay in position. He's a lot of other things. But what I do know is he's consistently in place. And what God is wanting you to do right now this season is be consistent. Not cute. Consistent. Sometimes you won't get to get your hair fixed. Sometimes you won't get to put on your eyelashes. But what we need is you to put on your brass knuckles and say, I wish the devil would. Consistent. Someone say consistent. So after that. I hope I'm not boring you. But after that, after you get in position, the next thing is you've got to then, after you're in position, then you've got to know what to aim for. Once I'm in position, I've got to know where my aim is. Verse 25 says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable, meaning something that's not on this earth. Verse 26 says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not beat as one beating the air. I don't box as one beating the air. When he says, everyone who competes, this one, the King James Version says, everyone who strives. The word strive means to wrestle. He says, we wrestle for a prize. Something worth attaining. That's my aim. My aim is justice. My aim is peace of mind. My aim is sanity. My aim is keeping the family together. My aim is keeping myself together. My aim is overcoming me. Before I overcome you, I've got to overcome me. That's my aim. Before I counsel you, I talk to myself. I answer myself. I ask myself questions. I got to work on me before you. It's me first. That does not. That's not that I'm choosing and saying you're less. But I'm saying I can't be good to you if I'm not good to me. I got to have an aim. Someone say you got to have an aim because if you're gonna have an aim, you can go ahead. And, if you're gonna have an aim, when you look at these different things, it's important to know exactly what you're aiming at. The Bible says, "Without a vision, the people cast off restraint, or the people perish." My question is, what is your vision for your life? Not what's your vision for everybody else, but what is your vision for your life? 
Because if you don't have a vision for yourself, how do you know when you've met it? What is your vision for your finances? What is your vision for? Let me ask you this. What is your spiritual growth vision? How can you not have a goal for your spiritual growth? Isn't that, isn't that, you know, um, I remember the very first time um, I went to, um, it wasn't Pastor Brad, but I went to uh, a pastor uh, one time, a spirit-filled pastor, and it, it jarred me because I wasn't taught to, to think like this. And when we were out to eat, I don't know where we were out at, and he asked me, what is the Lord saying to you? And I had never been asked that before. Because I was taught what my pastor preached and what the revivalist said. But I had never been taught to really, what is God saying to me? And I'm not saying people didn't try to teach me, but the culture did not allow for us to have our own personal relationship. And right now, I can't tell you how many preachers I know who don't have a prayer life. You study. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. Good. But how can you study and not pray? Do you know how quiet this church is right now? Because you're hearing stuff that sometimes you never heard and you, didn't, you knew it, but you didn't know people could say it out loud. Why is our art better than our consecration? There are many people who say something to me. They're like, oh, that Negro can, I'm sorry. That person can preach. I don't care nothing about anybody preach. Horses trot. <laughs> but that don't mean anything. Can you win the race? I want to know, can you preach under pressure? Can you preach when it's not popular? Can you preach when you, when you, I mean, can you preach in all seasons? That's what the Bible says. Be instant in all seasons. Someone say all seasons. It's important to know exactly what you're aiming for, and then you have to know what God is placing your spirit. You have to know that, and not just know what to aim at, but you have to know how to aim at it. It's not good just to aim at something, but you got to know how to aim at it. What that means is, it's not enough for you to tell me what to fix, but if you're not telling me how to fix it, what's the point in telling me what to fix? Like if, like a lot of us, and maybe not you, just the person sitting around, around you, a lot of us say stuff like, if I were them, I would. I think they should. I think somebody should. But that's great that you, you know what I should do. But have you ever been me? Have you ever been a single parent? Have you ever lost a mother? Is your father still living? And if he's living, did you ever have a relationship with him? So when someone says Happy Father's Day, sometimes it says to, to who? I, I, I've never seen one. So when you've never seen it, it's hard for you to receive God because you've never received it. So when we say God is a good, good father, you're like, I've never seen a good, good man. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying it's, it's difficult for some people. But just because man has lied to you, God does not lie like man does. So you have to reverse that thing and get an aim that's heavenly. And be able to say, I'm focusing. We just sing the song in the church. We say, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Someone say, get new heights. Someone say, you got to get new heights in order to do that. You have to be able to know. You have to know what drives you. What drives you is what will keep you running. What drive you will keep you focused. What drives you will keep you praying. What drives you will have you get up here and preach in all seasons. What drives you will keep you worshiping. What drives you will keep you being a parent trying all the time. Because what happens when so those of you who got parents and you got, uh, you got children out of the house and now you got the emptiness. Now you got to teach all the rest of us parents. You got to speak back and say, y'all, just hold on, hold on, just hold on a little bit longer. Just hold on. I've already seen it. You're outgrowing. You got to, you can't just get out of something and not speak into something. When God takes you out of something, then you have to speak back life into someone who hasn't come out of it yet. Don't allow the media and the images and the lack of progression and different things you see keep you from your aim. Don't let anything keep you from your aim. Someone say, don't let anything. So I have to have a position. 
I have to have an aim. Next thing, I have to have control. 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 You know, Caesar, this message sounded so much better in my shower. It came out so much clearer. I saw people falling on the floor and rolling around and walking on pews. This is not what I imagined. This is not the Father's Day message I thought would come out. I thought I was going to have something that's going to go viral this week. Control. I'm just playing. I'm really playing. <laughs> control. Someone say control. But I'm learning, Dr. Manuel. I will tell you this. What I'm learning is that God wants maturity. It's not always emotional. When you go through um, a miscarriage, you don't want somebody coming into your room making you more emotional than you are. You need somebody who has some control to be able to say, hey, baby, it's difficult and it's hard, but we're going to get through this together. And God wants us in this season as the people, church people, as a kingdom-minded people, to have some control. He says in verse 27, he says, I discipline my body. And I keep it under control. What that means is, just because you have an aim doesn't mean you control. So, let me give y'all something real quick. Coach, just so y'all know it, some of y'all laughed at me, Gwen, <coughs> sorry. Um, but Coach um, is teaching me how to golf right now. Thank y'all for your claps. I appreciate it. <laughs> He's teaching me how to golf because I need something that can calm me. It's a, a quite boring sport, but I needed something that would, that would keep me together. And can, uh, Coach, is a, he's, he's a great coach. That's why he's a coach. He is. He's great. So, so when I'm out there and I'm golfing, I can't remember how to position my hands at this current moment, so I will not demonstrate that. Do not post this on social media. But I'm sitting there. I'm working on, <laughs> working on my grip. And coach always tells me while I'm out there at the driving range, I was just playing. While I was at the driving range, he says, it's all about control. He said, don't let the stick control you. You control the stick. He said, what I'm afraid is that every time you swing, you get scared. And when you get scared, you lose control. And, I, and what happens is, every time I go golfing, I, uh, uh, <laughs> he went, somebody else went one day and retired the same day they went. But anyhow, <laughs> while I was there and I had a grip on it, and sometimes when I did it right, I got so confident in what I did right that I wasn't positioning myself to do what I did again to get the same swing. And there are some of us, because we've experienced some level of victory, we think that that victory will be a sustainable for another one. Whatever you did to get the first victory, you're going to have to do the same thing again because it's not the stick, it's you controlling it. You're going to have to learn how to keep control, to have mastery. You're going to get somebody that's going to make you want to cuss them out, but you're going to have to control your tongue. You're going to have to learn how to have control. Someone say, learn how to have control. And that is something that we don't talk about often. Control. You have to learn how to grab something and not allow it to grab you. Go through situations, excuse my microphone, go let the microphone, control the microphone, don't let it control you. You have to learn how to have control over situations, but some of us right now, situations are controlling us. Things that are happening in the world are controlling us, and it's making us question who we are. And making us question our mind and make us question our sanity. But you got to have control. Peter, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, he says, but be sober minded. <laughs> I won't get it. I'll get out of that. Be sober minded. Be watchful. Why is that important to be sober? It's important to be sober minded because when you're not sober, when you're not sober, you're not in your right mind. And when you're not in your right mind, you can't be watchful. You have to be watchful. Why? It says because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking 
someone to devour. If you think that you're not going to be under attack, you lied. The enemy, you will go through something called spiritual warfare. And for some of us, we love the God of the mountain, but you need the God of the valley too. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What did he say? I will what? What did he say? Say it again. But why are you sleeping with evil? I'm not talking about in an act. I'm talking about playing with something that you're supposed to walk through. Church, hear me. You're supposed to walk through what you have become. I'm perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but I'm not cast down. You have to go through something, but not become the thing that you go through. I'm being chased, but I can turn that thing around and I can pursue what's chasing me. To be able to say that greater is he that's in me than thing that is pursuing me and chasing me. He is an adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone he may devour. The last thing, it says you have to have position, you have to have an aim, you have to have control. And lastly... He'll put a seal on what he wants to. And God will stomp his foot and be like, preach, boy. The last thing is, and this is hard for us, we got to be an example. Why am I working on myself? Because there's always somebody watching me. Always. I might have started saying that I didn't want to say yes because people are watching me. But because I've now I've rested in that thing, now I'm saying I understand that somebody is always watching me. I don't go to people and say, I always feel like somebody, I always feel like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not, not complaining about it. <laughs> now I'm saying that I know that my life is supposed to be a witness. And it's okay. And it's all right. That we're going to be an example. That's why it says, he says, he says, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be qualified, disqualified. What that means is I can't call you to a race that I didn't stay in. There are some of you who are trying to get people somewhere that you didn't stay. And trying to teach people stuff that didn't work for you. How long have you stayed in the fire? Did you stay tested long enough? Did you stay pers uh, uh, persecuted and pushed long enough to develop character down inside of you? You have to be able. I can't be an example of something that has not worked for me. If it hasn't worked for me, I can't teach you. I'm only teaching you stuff that works for me. He says this. He said, I can't be challenged. I, how am I going to challenge you? It's something I haven't first challenged myself through. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and verse 1 says this. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Since I'm surrounded. Someone say I'm surrounded. By a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. That means right there, since I'm surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Now, you have to understand, I've taught this before. Those witnesses were two definitions. There were speculators. And then there were people who had already, they had already obtained it. They had already experienced it. You will have to learn how to live your life as a man, as a woman, as a kingdom citizen. In between tensions. I'm going to say that one more time. You'll have to learn how to live your life in between two tensions of speculators and supporters. I wish I had a church in here. You'll have to learn how to have Judas and John. The one who loves you 
and the one who will out you. You have to learn how to live with a crown and a cross. You have to learn how to live with agony and anointing. You have to learn how to live through misery and make that ministry. You have to have purpose and persecution walking beside each other. You have to learn how to live in the tensions. I wish I could shout you on this good Father's Day. But there is a tension that you're dealing with right now. You have to learn how to speak healing even when you're sick. You have to live between two tensions. Is there anybody right here in this room who's living between two tensions? Where it's difficult, it's not easy. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely to us. That sin is not talking about just missing the mark. It's talking about anything in your race that distracts you. Anything that draws you away. In that time when they were racing, it says that they would run the race. And it says that they also had three pillars in the race. Three pillars. Uh, they would get to one pillar. And one of the pillars that they got to would stop. And it would, the pillar would say, excel. Like it was things that would remind them while they were running. It would say, excel. And then the next pillar they got to in the middle of the race, in the midst of the stadium. Then it would say, hasten. Hasten means to run. Run with haste. Run with a mission. Run with a goal. This is not a time just to be running aimlessly. It says run with a goal. That means there's some things in your life, there's sometimes you get in the middle of your race that you got to remind yourself, hasten. Run. Run with a goal. Run with a mission. Run with a mission. Like, like I'm not just running. Just He says hasten. And then the third pillar in the race would say turn. So the first pillar would say excel. The next pillar would say hasten, and then the last pillar would say turn. Now, what does turn mean? It means when you get to this pillar, run back to the first pillar and start all over again. If I could see a show of hands, and I don't want you to raise your hands, of all of you who wish that your race would get easier. Everybody would raise their hand and say, I wish I could see some ease in this tension. But some of y'all are at the last pillar that says turn, which means do it all over again. You know how you know you've graduated, Kareem? You know how you graduated from one test? Y'all want to know? Anybody want to know? You want to know how you graduate from one test? You get another one. I didn't think anybody was shouting that. You know, have you conquered one battle? You get another one. Whatever you don't conquer, you repeat. And you keep repeating it until you conquer it. How many of you like, how many of you like to repeat seasons and repeat classes? I don't. I don't like to repeat seasons. I want to run my race and run it to the finish. So it says, looking to Jesus, the founder, the author, and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated. At the right hand of God. There are many of you right now. And I'm, I'm through. The Lord told me to minister this to you today. He didn't tell me how it was going to come out. But he told me to minister it to you. Because there are many of you who want to give up in your race. Can I just see a show of hands of everybody right now. Who just this week. You wanted to throw in the towel. And be done with it. Thank you. You're wanting to give up doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're not called. It doesn't mean you don't have a call in your life. It just means sometimes it's hard to run. And sometimes in the middle of your race, you're just like, what's the purpose of this? Especially when you start your race with more people than you end it with. It's hard. When you get to the starting line and everybody's like, I'm excited about this race. I'm excited about this change. I'm excited about what we're going to do. I'm excited about racial reconciliation. I'm excited about making change in my city until you get resistance. And then when you get resistance, you're like, what's the purpose? Why? 
I remember when Matt, my brother Matt, wave your hand, Matt. At least y'all don't know Matt. Matt Wheeler. Matt called me the week that a lot of different things came out. And he said, I just want to know what to do. Can you tell me what to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I said, Matt, you've already done it. Some of y'all like, well, what has he done? It's called relationship. Change doesn't just happen by marching. And I'm for it. But if we march without a goal, if we march without a strategy, without a plan, then all we're doing is putting on shirts and making... I don't believe that Martin Luther King had Snapchat. I don't believe Malcolm X did that. I don't believe the people who sat as sit-ins. I don't believe that the people who were, were rioting and the people who are out there under freedom riders, I don't think they got on the bus just for a photo op. I believe they did it because they had an aim. They had a dream that if this changes my community, if this changes my world, I'm going to stick to this thing for as long as I can. Brandon and I have a quote. Um, there's something we learned, um, some of you might have learned this as well, but, but there's something that we learned a long time ago, and, it, and it's something that has challenged me that I had to remind myself of recently. And it says like this, it says, when things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure comes about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Will you put your hand on your heart right now and say, don't quit? When you look at your family, don't quit. When you look at your people, when you look at your society, don't quit. Come on, put your hand on your heart and say, don't quit. As long as there's an opportunity, don't quit. When I look at Miles, when I look at Darius, when I look at this church, somebody needs me. I don't have time to quit. I don't have time to stop. There might be things that will knock the breath out of me and the wind out of me, but it's when things seem worse. I can't. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at MyGrowthPoint. Until next time, keep growing.